and amen. Come on, just put your hands together for Jesus. You may take your seat in the house. You may take your seat. Last week we talked in part one of this sermon series, we talked about a command. And what was that command? The command was to live. And so we talked about living, that we talked about the fact that even in a bad situation, God has commanded us to live. A lot of times we halt our life and we stop right in our tracks, dead in our tracks, when things begin to happen that we don't like. But we talked last week about how Jeremiah, where we, take, where we took our text and where we will take our text today, Jeremiah chapter 29, how the first thing he told them to do was to live. He tells them to go and marry. He tells them to go and build houses. He tells them to go and work the land. In other words, while you're in captivity, I want you to keep living. And we're going to pick up right in verse 7. Where it says also, it says the Lord, it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried. I'm in the NIV version. It says also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the false teachers deceive you. Do not listen to them because they are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And then in verse 10, this is what he says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years have passed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Why? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on my name and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all of your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from the place of captivity. The word of the Lord is blessed. And so we talked about last week that he wants us to live even in a bad situation. He wants us to live even through bad circumstances. But how do we do that? This is where we pick it up. Why does he want us to do it? First, we talked about last week that he wants us to do it because our situation and our circumstance does not change the reason that Jesus came, and he came, why? So that we can have life and that more abundantly. And so our situation never changes the reason why Jesus came. And so that's why he wants us to keep living. Now, how do we keep living? The, Jeremiah told the people two things that I want us to understand today. He says, seek peace, pray for peace, meaning speak peace. And so I want to say, I want to give you today that the way you keep living in a bad situation is, one, you have to speak life, and you have to seek life. Somebody say, speak life and seek life. And so he tells them to pray for the peace and prosperity, meaning the well-being of the place where they are, okay? So how can God tell these people to pray for and seek for peace in a place they don't even want to be. He tells them to seek for peace, pray for peace, meaning speak peace, 
this place that's not their home, this place that is exiled, this place where they are being held in captivity, this place that they are being oppressed, this place that's a pagan nation, a nation that didn't believe in their God, but he tells them to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, specifically pray, speak to the Lord for it, speak life. Why? Because if it prospers, so will you prosper. Now, I want to pause right there because in this climate that we're living in, we have so many people cursing the place that God has permitted us to be. All right, we talked about it last week is that we curse the place that God has permitted and we have to realize that God is sovereign. What does that mean? That means he's, he is in total control. And so wherever you are, he has permitted you to be there. Now, we know that it was their disobedience, I said it last week, that caused them to go into exile. But the fact of the matter is that God still had to permit it. Why? Because he is sovereign. I told you last week that if he permitted it, then he has a purpose for it. And so our obligation in the meantime is to keep living. And how do we do that? We speak life and we seek life. Now, Pastor Anthony told us a few weeks ago and when he preached about Ezekiel and the dry bones, he told us that when God, when God brought Ezekiel to the valley of the dry bones, he didn't tell Ezekiel to worry about the fact that the bones were dry. He didn't tell Ezekiel to worry, worry about the fact that he was in a valley. He didn't tell him to worry about the fact that the bones were disconnected. But what he said was, say out of your mouth, speak to the environment of the dry bones and say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will make breath enter into you and you will come to life. So what are you speaking in this season of calamity? What are you speaking in your season of crisis? What are you speaking in the midst of your bad situation? What are you speaking during these challenging times? What are you seeking for? What are you seeking for in this time of difficulty? Now, and I want to say this, and I'm going to talk, uh, uh, spend some time talking about this because we love to quote Proverbs, right? Proverbs 18 and 20 and 21 that talks about that the power of what life and death is in our tongue and we eat the fruit. Those that love it will eat its fruit, okay? We say it all the time and I believe that we have been eating on what some strange fruit, some things that are not appetizing. Why? The Bible says that our tongue creates the harvest from which we eat of because it has what the power of life and death. I'm going to break it down for us. Now, I know that our world, we've simplified this scripture. We made this scripture our own kind of uh, personal theology where we think all we have to do is say some positive stuff, uh, put some positive affirmations together, and things are just going to manifest. Now, the devil is a lie. Let me tell you that manifesting thing that's going on out there. The devil is a lie, okay? So we think that we're just going to put some things, uh, some good things out of our mouth, and because we said it, that that's going to happen. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, but life only comes when we speak what God has said. 
come on. Life only comes when we speak what God has told us to seek rather than speaking what we see. Now, Jeremiah commands the people to seek peace, then speak about the peace in prayer, and then he goes on to admonish them in verse 12 and 13 to keep seeking. Now, I want you to hear this today, that seeking and speaking go hand in hand. Somebody say that with me. Seeking and speaking go hand in hand. Now, we know what it means to seek something, that is to look for something, to search for something. We know what it means to speak, to say something, to utter words, to express a thought or opinion. And when we are living what we talked about, the Zoe life, and that is the life that's incorruptible, indestructible. We talked about it last week. It's the life that is built on the unchanging nature of who God is rather than the bios that's built on this physical body, this physical life, and the psyche that's built on what we think our thought process, but when we are living the Zoe, the life that's built on the unchanging nature of God, then the thing we are seeking is always the will of God for our life and for the environment around us. Now, what has happened is that we have taken the principle of life and death, being in the power of the tongue, and thought that we could just speak whatever we want to see. Okay, rather than speaking what he desires us to say and what he has already said. Now, we have taken this principle and we have made it shallow based on our will. What I want to see, what I what I desire to have rather than based on Zoe, which is his will and what he desires to happen. Okay, our will, that's bios, that's psyche, his will, that's Zoe. So what should we be speaking. He tells them, seek for peace and the well-being of the place, and then speak on it. In other words, we must use this breath because Genesis says that he, what, he breathed the breath of life into man. He called everything else just to come up out of the ground, but he breathed, he called it into existence rather, but he, he breathed the breath of life into man. And so we are to use this breath that he has given to us to speak forth his will on the earth. We are to speak forth God's will, God's desires, God's plan for our life and the world around us. Now, we need to understand that life comes when you speak the word of life, which is the word of God. The Bible lets us know in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God is active and alive. That's the only living word. Every other word is a dead word because the only living word is the word that was spoken out of the mouth of God and the word that was God, which is Jesus Christ. So the power of life and death is in your tongue. You can either speak forth the words of life from the life giver, or we can speak based on what we see in this realm. That's our will, what we desire. So how do you speak life? How do you speak life? You speak forth the very words of the life giver. Now, 
we have too, for too long been misappropriating this scripture. We've been just wanting to speak what we want to see, what we see happening, what we desire to have. We just have come to this place to say, if I speak on wealth, then I'll have wealth. If I speak good things, then I'll have good things. But that's, it's not about what you desire to see. It's about what he desires. So let's look at the person of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God all by himself. He is God, fully God, when he walked the earth. Yet on numerous occasions, he echoes what he says in John 12, 49, that I do not speak on my own accord. So who are we to speak on our own accord? Because Jesus himself says, I do not speak on my own accord, but I say what the Father has told me to say. And he went as far as to say, and how he tells me to say it. Even Jesus himself said, I speak forth only what God tells me to say, what the Father tells me to say, and how he tells me to say it. Too many of us are speaking on our own accord and, and wondering why we are chewing on strange fruit. It's time to speak forth what God is saying to speak forth his will on the earth, to speak forth life. And we made the case last week that Jesus is what life. So everything we speak, everything we say should be able to be connected back to Jesus. Why? Because he is life and he came that we may have life. Hallelujah. Why do we speak what God says and not what we want? Because God, this is what you have to understand. This is why I say that when we are just speaking what we want, um, we are speaking forth not life, but we really are speaking death because God is not obligated to honor your word. The only word that God is obligated to honor is his word. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will succeed in the matter which I have sent it. That's what the word of God does. Why? Because it's active and alive. It's life-giving. It is life. And I said earlier that speaking and seeking go hand in hand. And in order to speak life, we have to first check what we are seeking. In order to speak life, we must first check what we are seeking. Because if I'm looking through the lens of my will, then all I'm going to speak, is, speak about is what Ashley wants, what I want to see, what I desire to have. But that's not always in alignment with what God desires or what he's doing. But God is calling us to seek his will and speak his will. He's calling us to seek his will and speak his will. He tells the Israelites to seek and speak peace and well-being for a land that they don't even want to be in. We have to understand that. And very often what God wants us to seek and speak is contrary to what our flesh desires for us to do and for us to have. 
That's why speaking life is a byproduct of living in Zoe. Zoe, that life that's built on the unchanging nature of who God is because it's about speaking not what I want or what I see, but what he desires and what he has said. Using the tongue to speak life is really about using our breath to echo what he has already said. It's about being an echo. Believers, we should be God's echo on the earth. We should be quoting and saying and speaking forth what he has said. But so many times we want to create our own soundtrack. But all he's asking us to do is, I, he's saying I have the power. My words have the power. All you have to do is echo those on the earth. Now, let me be real today because this is not always an easy thing, and some of these are a hard pill to swallow, but we have to realize that the Bible is still right, and there are still scriptures like 1 Timothy 2 and 2 because that scripture tells us that we are to make petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. It even tells us that we are to pray for what? The kings and all those in authority in this climate that we're in because we dislike, we, we come to this place if we dislike the person, we don't pray for them. We just speak all manner of evil against them. But whether I'm not telling you to like or dislike, but what I am telling you is that the Bible is right. And whether you uh, like or dislike our political candidates, we as believers have a mandate to pray to pray for them, to speak forth what God is saying, to pray for salvation above all things. And I know that we have enemies, and so this pill is very hard to swallow when we think about our enemies and we, we, we want to wish ill because of the things they've done. But God still says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. I know we don't like those parts of the Bible, but he gives us these promises just as he gave the Israelites when he told them to seek and speak peace. Why? Because if the place you're in has peace, then you will have peace, right? He says, pray for those in authority. Why? So that you will have the ability to live a quiet life in all godliness. There's a promise tied to it. And then he says, when your enemy mistreats you, do good to them. Why? So that your reward will be great. In other words, God has some promises. Does God have some promises? I like the fact that God has some promises. And in verse 11 and 12 of our text, he says that I have a plan for you. It's a plan to help you, not to harm you. It's a plan that will give you a hope and a future. But there are some things that you're going to have to begin to do, some things you're going to have to begin to say, and some things you're going to have to begin to seek in order to see the promise. We quote the passage all the time. We love that scripture that God has a plan for us, but we don't realize or we don't express the fact that the plan is not automatic. None of God's promises are automatic. They don't just happen because he said that it would happen, but they are hinged on what the Lord commands them to do. It's hinged on, it's connected to, it's conditioned on what we seek and what we speak. He tells them to seek peace. 
pray, speak peace, then seek for me and you will find me and then I will fulfill my promise and bring you out of captivity. When you have sought for the peace of the nation, when you have spoke about the peace of the nation, and then when you begin to seek for me with all of your heart, then I will fulfill my promise and bring you out of captivity. Now, I am convinced, I am almost convinced of this one thing, is that in every situation, in every circumstance, you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for something bad, you're going to find something bad. If you're looking, if you go around looking for people that dislike you, then you're going to find people that dislike you. In my past life, I was over a program that had to do a yearly audit. And every year, it didn't matter how many T's we crossed, how many I's we dotted. The audit team was never going to leave there without giving me a page of findings. Why? Because they were sent there to find something. And so I am convinced that in every situation, you will find whatever you're looking for. And in our text, God tells them if, the, if they seek him with all of their heart, that they would find him. Now, what does it truly mean to seek God? I love what Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And how do you really begin to seek him? He says, let the wicked forsake his way. Do you know that we're all the wicked? Okay, because we are all in this flesh. It says, in the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So we have to let our way loose. Bios. Get rid of what this physical man wants. And then we have to forsake our own thoughts, leaning to our own, what, understanding, and says, let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's what it looks like to seek the Lord with all your heart. That means I am letting go of what I desire. I'm letting go of what this mind thinks about, and what this mind, the opinions of this mind, and I am returning back to the Lord. So how do you continue to live in a bad situation? You have to speak life. You have to say what God says, and you have to seek life. That is, seek to find God in every situation. Seek to find God in every situation. Now, my grandfather was an awesome man of God. He's passed on but I often uh, think about him. And one thing that I think about is his love for eagles. He loved the eagle. He had many portraits of eagles. He had many statues of eagles. He would talk about eagles all the time. And he would liken the prophet to an eagle. He would talk about the two things I will remember him talking about the eagle. One is that eagles never make their home on the ground. An eagle's home is always in the highest of trees or even on the cliffs of mountains. They live very high up. That's the first thing. And the second thing he would always talk about is the eagle's eye because their eyes, their sense of sight is their strongest sense. An eagle can see up to two miles or more in front of it. Now, 
What happens as we talk about seeking and speaking is that we must understand that we can only speak based on the realm that we are seeing in. We can only speak based on the realm that we are seeing in. And most of our vision remains just right in front of us. And so all I see is these stack of bills that I have. All I see is that my body is hurting right now. All I see is that we can't come and go as we please because of this thing called COVID-19. If all I can see is this situation I am facing, then that's all I'm going to ever be able to speak about. See, most often our language, our narrative, what we are speaking is limited by the narrow range in which we can see, right? We don't see how this thing is going to end. We don't see how this is going to change, but we see the calamity. We see the loss. We see the lack. And those are the things we begin to speak forth. We talk about how bad it is, how terrible it is, and on and so forth. But what I am telling you today, what I am admonishing you today, is to change your vantage point. Somebody say change your vantage point. Now, I told you that the eagle never makes his home on the ground. The eagle lives high above, even on mountain cliffs. I told you that sight was his strongest sense. And when the eagle is looking at the world... When he's looking at the world from that vantage point, every prey he has seems conquerable. Everything seems conquerable when you're that high above and you can see that far of a distance. And so what is God saying today? He says, seek me and you will find me. In other words, change your vantage point. Stop looking from the angle of what's happening to you and rather look from the angle where God is and see what he's trying to do through you. Somebody say, change your vantage point. He says, seek me, search for me, focus on me, says the Lord, because if you are looking to find me in this thing, then you will find me. David said it like this, that even though there are enemies chasing me, even though I don't know if I'm going to live that long because everybody is coming against me, I'm in a bad situation, I'm in a bad place, but my vantage point is I'm confident that I'm still going to see the goodness of God. Why? Because that's what I'm looking for. And you're going to see what you're looking for. You're going, to, you're going to find what you're searching for. If you're seeking him, then you will find him. If you're seeking him, then you will find him. Now, let me give you an example of two different vantage points. This is a familiar story, but we know that we know very well that in the book of Numbers chapter 13, we have Moses and we have the children of Israel, and here they are standing right outside of what of Canaan, what was the promised land. And so God tells Moses to send forth spies to survey the land. He says, go and look at the land. I want you to uh, uh, survey this land and tell me and see the people. Moses tells the spies to go and see if the people are weak or strong. Moses says, see if there, there really is flowing milk and honey. He says, go and see uh, um, what the land looks like, what kind of fruit it will produce. Even bring back some fruit if you can. And so we have 12 
spies that go out. We have 12 spies that go out, but they come back with two different reports. We have 12 spies that go and survey the same land and come back with two different reports. Now, we know the 10 came back and said that, yeah, that land does have milk and honey flowing through it, but it has some big people, some very strong-looking people. They are the descendants of Anak, meaning they were strong in stature. They were courageous. And he said the walls are really big and they're fortified. That's what the 10 said. But then there were two. And the two, Caleb was the spokesman for the two. He told everybody to be quiet. That's what he said. He said, be quiet and let's just go take this land. And then they said, you're crazy. We can't take this land. But you have to understand that the 10, that their vantage point was what they could see. Caleb's vantage point was what God had already said. Because if you go back to Numbers 13 and 1, God says, go survey the land that I am giving you. So Caleb was banking on the fact that God had already said, I'm giving it to you. So it doesn't matter what this vantage point on the ground looks like because the vantage point up here already says that it's yours. Come on, somebody got to get the word today. Now, how can these people that witness the same thing, but they say two different things because they are looking from two different vantage points. Somebody's using their bios and their cycle, what it feels like, it looks like in my mind that these people are bigger than me. These people are stronger than me. So my mind is telling me this is a bad idea. But Caleb is looking from Zoe, which tells him it doesn't matter what it looks like because God already said that it belongs to me. What happens if we start living in a Zoe life and really start disregarding what we see and start activating and act, being active in what he has already said? Living in Zoe means I have another vantage point. Yes, I see what's happening in this world, but I'm seeking what he's already said. I'm seeking what he's already said about it, so I don't care what it looks like. There may be giants. There may be obstacles. There may be things in my way. But if God said I can have it, then it's already mine. And so that's my vantage point. That's my confession. That's what I'm speaking forth. I'm not speaking forth that it's going to be hard. I'm not speaking forth, oh, they said I needed a degree. I'm not speaking forth the fact that there's some obstacles. I'm speaking what he has already said. Let's look at Peter. When his eyes were fixed on Jesus, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, seeking him. When his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he could walk on the water, correct? But as soon as he started looking at the elements, the fact that it's unnatural for me to be thinking that I'm victorious when all hell is breaking loose around me, the fact that it's crazy for me to think that I am more than a conqueror when I feel like I'm drowning. When he started looking at all of that, he began to what? Sink. And so the point is, we have to continue to seek and say what he said. We continue to seek him. Stay focused on him. I'm telling you, it's time to start seeking God in all situations. Because when you begin to seek God, you will find him. And you will begin to speak forth his will and his word. Let me tell you, 
We talked about it the other week when we talked about Ezekiel. We all should be prophesying. What does that mean? Because we have made it something mystical. We have made it something. There is an office of a prophet. There is a gift of prophesying. But the Bible says, Paul says that we should all desire to prophesy. What does that mean? It just means that you're telling forth what God has said. And that doesn't mean that it came to you and your, your inner man or your, your ear. Just get out the word of God because every word that he has spoken you can find in there. And speak that forth. Prophesy that into your life. Prophesy that, prophesy that into your situation. It is time for us to live a Zoe life. Somebody say it's time to live a Zoe life. It's time to start seeking God. It's time to start speaking forth his word. How do you live a Zoe? You have to seek life and you have to speak life. The Zoe life is the life that allowed Jesus to sleep while the storm was raging. The Zoe life is the life that allowed Paul in, in prison to still testify that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. The Zoe life is the life that allowed Daniel in the midst of the fiery furnace to say, my God can save me, but even if he doesn't, he's able. The Zoe life is the life that allowed Stephen to be stoned with a smile on his face. The Zoe life, it is time for us to live the Zoe life. The Zoe life is a life that rises above what's happening in these elements and seeks to see God and speak forth his word in and through all things. Come on, I'm telling you it's time. It's time to live a Zoe life. I'm finished, but I want you to know that I'm not talking about just speaking forth positive things. I'm not talking about just speaking forth the things that you put on your vision board. I'm talking about really speaking forth what God is saying and what he has said in his word. His word is what has the power. What if, come on, praise and worship team. What if every believer began to truly seek God and speak what he was saying not complaining, not complaining about this president, not complaining about what's going on, not complaining about how they feel, but begin to really speak the word of life over this natural environment. What if Jesus, what if we really begin to seek what God is saying, not what we feel about it, Not what folks on Facebook are saying about it, Jesus. But we really got into the word and saw and, and, and got, a, got in tune with what God is saying, what he's doing, and start speaking forth his word. What are you?